This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. God is taking us into interesting places. But I think it's really important for us to understand where he's taking us. Well, I think so anyway. (laughs) Do these people think so? Okay, well, we've got a few more that think so. We are in such good. We're in such a good place. There is so much happening in so many people's lives, and there's so much to be excited about. And I can tell you now, if you feel as though things are a little bit slow in your life right now, just get on the train. You'll be fine. It's going to be good. Trust me. It's going to be really good. Um, I'm going to start speaking today about something that I've titled "The Making of a Man." Um, it's, I'm, I have to do this in two parts, and so I'm going to set it up today, and then we'll do it next. We can get into the more detailed bit. I want to talk today a little bit about uh, about the realms that we live in, because it's important for us to understand it. It sets a, a foundation for us, and then next week I want to talk about how those different realms have influence in our life, and what God's plan was for us to walk into the true identity of who he called us to be, and how that's developed, and what he's put in place in order to do that. So when I talk about the making of a man, I'm not talking gender, I'm talking species. Okay, I'm talking like when God said, let us make man in our image. He didn't say, let us make man and woman, because they might get confused as to what I'm talking about. Okay, human. Okay, if you're taking breath this morning and you're sitting here, you, you, you qualify. You're one of them. So my kids have always loved playing sport. And a number of years ago, Vivi decided that she was, she got really, she had nothing to do during fall. And so she's like, I, I want to be able to do something. And so we had a look around and there was nothing really exciting for her to play. So we decided, Vivi, do you want to do flag football? So she said, yes, I'd love to do it. And so she got all excited and off we went to our first practice. And the only problem was when we started walking onto the field, all the boys are sitting there and they turn around and they go, oh, we've got a girl on our team. (laughs) And she got in there and she made stuff happen because she's quick and she was agile and she was faster than all of them. And so what ended up happening was the coach said to, to her, okay, well, you're going to end up running the ball because you're quickest of the whole bunch. And she scored 90% of their touchdowns that season. Okay, no, no, I'm getting, that's not the point. I'm glad I also thought that, but that's not the point. So the thing is, you arrive at the field, and when you got to the field, you had the same thing that the boys did. And all the kids on the opposition were like, oh, got to play against the girl it took about three plays and you heard the coaches on the other side saying watch the girl watch the girl <laughs> the point of anything is you can do be whatever you want to be no no hold on i'm not talking gender i'm talking about <laughs> okay go out there you you can go and have fun in life and go and enjoy it the point, that is a prelude to tell you this when you play flag football you have to know the rules of flag football The thing about flag football is no touching. So everybody has to wear flags. And when you put flags on them, you're not allowed to guard your flags. You've got to keep your hands away. And the purpose of everything is you can't tackle the person. You can't touch. But you've got to grab the flag. And when you grab the flag, basically that's the equivalent. So you understand how flag football works. And so when the boys played flag football, they understood the rules of the game. 
And to be successful in flag football, you live according to the rules of the game. But when they got a little bit older, they migrated out of flag football and they migrated into tackle football. Now, when you move into tackle football, there's no such a thing as flags. There's nothing to God. And people touch. It happens. And it's not a gentle one either. It's totally different. You can't take the rules of flag football and apply it to tackle football. It doesn't work. You have to understand the rules of flag football are for flag football. The rules for tackle football are there for tackle football. And depending on what you want to do, you have to be able to appropriate the necessary rules. The reason I'm telling you this is because I think part of the challenge that we've had is that we were born as natural people. And so we understand the rules of what it means to be a natural person. And we've been able to appropriate those rules because we live in a natural paradigm. The challenge with it is we become born again. And when we become born again, we become exposed to and introduced to the spiritual realm. And the problem that we have very often as Christians is that we want to take the rules and all the things that apply and make living in the natural realm successful, and we want to overlay those into the spirit realm. Except we get disillusioned because nothing works the way that it's supposed to work. And then we don't really understand why. What I want to do today is I want to speak and, and start to get into this a little bit and begin to hopefully open it up so that we have a better understanding of, of what the different realms are all about. But it's important for us to understand that when you're dealing with natural things, there are going to be certain ways of dealing with that. But when you step out of the natural realm and you want it to experience and you want it to operate in the spiritual realm, there is a totally different way of doing those things. The two are, are, are mutually exclusive. Is that okay? Okay. It was a funny thing, but they, they said of Paul and Silas, they said, those who turned the world upside down have come here also. Those who turned the world upside down have come here also. What does your world look like? What does your world look like? What are your circumstances and situations that you're dealing with right at the moment? Are your circumstances sitting saying, the person who turns the world upside down has come here also? Or not? God has created an opportunity for us and when God introduces us to the way that he designed us to live and to operate, it is out of relationship with him. And when we begin to understand and begin to align ourselves in our life the way that he wants to operate, what ends up happening is we move through life in unity with him. And when we move in life with unity to, with him, people sit and say, those who turn the world upside down have come here also. What you really want is when you walk into a room, when you walk into a circumstance, when you walk into a situation, the best accolade you could ever hear is the one who turns the world upside down has come here also. That's where I want to go. That's what my heart is. And that's what I believe God is doing with the church right at the moment. God is sitting saying, let's go back to the introduction of what the reason was for establishing the church. What was it all about? And it's not about an individual, and it's not about the God's man of the moment doing a whole bunch of stuff. It's about the creation of a whole new generation of people, people who are peculiar to God, and people who are going to move into the dispensation and, and the purpose for what he's called them to do. Those people will be marked by those who turn the world upside down. I've come here. 
That's what we're to do. If you have a look at 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. But you are God's chosen treasure. You are God's chosen treasure. So he's talking to me. Okay, that was about a third of you. I'm not sure who the other two thirds are listening to. He's talking to you. You're a chosen treasure. There's something peculiar that he has for you that he values you and there's a reason why he values you so much. In fact, he values you and he thinks that you're so important he's going to tell you what he's actually done for you. You are priests who are kings. You are priests who are kings. God doesn't use words lightly. The reason that God uses words is with intention because all of them carry with it a weight and carry with it a contribution. When he speaks about the fact that you are a priest and a king, what he's talking about is this. Firstly, when you speak about somebody who is priestly, a priestly person is somebody who operates in the paradigm of relationship between man and God. And it's in that context that they take the things of God and they deliver it to man. What he's saying is, as a priestly person, you are called into relationship with him. You are called into relationship with him. And when we move into that space and we begin to develop a relationship with God and we allow him to have influence in our life, when we take of him the things that are valuable and the things that make contribution to defining who we are and how we live, what will end up happening is the priestly role introduces us to the kingly role. What he's saying is your ability to walk into the, the idea of dominion is authority and power which comes from him. What he's saying is, if you can't perform in the, the priestly role, you'll never walk into the kingly role. You're not a king because we're special, because we're human beings. What we are is when we live in a priestly role and we live in a paradigm where we're living out of relationship with him, what he does is he's going to operate in a very practical way through your life. And he's going to invite you into opportunities, into circumstances, into situations. And what he's going to say is in order for you to have influence in that place, I will be there to make sure that things happen and transpire. But that kingly role, the ability to be able to rule in that space is delegated as a result of our priestly role. Okay? A spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. A spiritual nation. A spiritual nation. Not a natural nation. A spiritual nation. I actually like the way that the New King James speaks about it. It speaks about a holy nation, which I think is is more complete. A holy nation. Holiness speaks about full completion in Christ. What it's talking about when it speaks about a holy nation, it's going back to, once again, relationship with God. And what it's saying is that you will be defined and all the areas of your life that are incomplete, that don't have full representation of who he is, he's wanting to flood those spaces with who he is. And so you will come into being a holy or a complete nation without deficit, without spot, without wrinkle. Not because of who I am or not because of what I've done, but because I'm living in a space where I'm allowing him and who he is to give redefinition to who I am. You set apart at God's devoted one. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. And he now claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. Everything starts and ends in Christ. 
Everything starts and ends in Christ. Unfortunately, in this day and age, not everything starts and ends with Christ in the church. We've got waylaid and we've got into a whole bunch of other stuff and we've got caught up in a whole bunch of other things which is outside of who Christ is and what Christ is all about. And they may be good things and they may be one things, wonderful things and they may be favorable things and they may really help a lot of different people. The problem with it is it just ends up as a charity. Anytime you do a work, anytime God invites you to participate in something, what he's wanting to do is he's wanting you to reflect his glory. That includes when you do things for orphans, for widows, for anybody. What is, don't give them a charity. Don't give them a charity. You give them Christ. The thing about it is in every context, the question has to be, how is he going to be manifest and evidence to the people? Otherwise, people come to us because I just want a food pantry. Well, you can go anywhere to get a food pantry. The atheists on the corner run a food pantry. It's not just about that. Yes, I want to meet your, your, your needs and where you are. But most important to me is I want you to meet Christ. That's what the church is all about. And when we lose Christ because we're doing good things, we've lost the plot. Okay, you're with me this morning. Okay. John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Where did I have that? John 17 verses 15 to 18. I do not pray that you should take, this is Jesus speaking about his disciples. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify or set them apart. By your truth, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. There are a couple of things here. Jesus says, I am not of the world as they are not of the world. He's talking about the substance that is to define who we are as born again believers. What he's saying is we're not to be defined by the world. We're to be defined by the spirit. He's immediately starting to draw a parallel because he's wanting us to identify and recognize that there are two different realms in operation. There is a spiritual realm and there is a natural realm. And what he's saying is, if you're my disciples, you're not to be defined by the natural realm. Your definition is to come about as a result of your relationship and your interaction in the spiritual realm. So the spirit realm becomes really important for us to begin to understand and have an idea as to what this is all about. And how do I operate in this? Because what he's saying is your identity and who you are is going to be defined by that space. And so there is a, an invitation for me to begin to explore this realm and to begin to get some understanding as to what this realm is all about. The substance I'm to be defined by is Spirit. I'm not of this world, but I'm sent into this world. What he's saying is, I'm calling you to be light and salt. What he's saying is, in order for you to be light and salt, you have to be defined by something other than the environment in which you find yourself. If you move into the world and you're defined by the world, it's not possible to be light and salt because you look like the world. What he's saying is, you are not of the world. You're defined by something spiritual. 
There's to be a redefinition in your life so that who I am becomes a spirit-infused being, something that is formed as a result of the spirit realm. And because of that, and because that gives definition to who I am, and because that begins to form the foundation to my life, what ends up happening is, as I'm sent out into the world, I live from a different perspective. I see things from a different perspective. I act from a different perspective. I experience from a different perspective. I become light and salt, not because of anything that I am, other than being a catalyst of what's been instilled on the inside of who I am. I'm to be a spirit being. I'm to be a spirit being. I understand that you're spiritual, but I'm trying to draw a, a, a distinction between the spirit realm and the natural realm. That's what I'm, it's important for me right now. I'm to be a spirit being. Um, hold on, let me, I don't want to go to that just yet. When God created man, understand this, he created a realm for him to live in, a domain. If you read creation, God spent time creating the entire universe and the earth and the fullness thereof, and he created a domain, and when he was finished, he said, now let's put man in it. He created the space for us to move into that place. There is the juggling of the two different aspects. God looks for us and he expects for us to be at a place where we are comfortable with both natural and spiritual. I was going to go somewhere with this whole... When God created us that way, what he did is this. Because you're a man, a human... I want you to be able to function effectively in the world. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a toolbox to be able to function in that way. And in your toolbox, I'm going to give you some stuff. In your toolbox, I'm going to put your ability to think. And I'm going to put an ability to be able to feel. I'm going to put some stuff in your toolbox because when you go out in the world, you're going to find those things are really, really important. It's important for you to be able to feel because the thing is, I need to be able to exercise and, and, and feel God's heartbeat and who he is and what he's all about because it introduces me to a life of being able to empathize with people. I'm not cold. My heart becomes important. It's a tool that he's given me so that in the natural realm, I can exercise that tool. He didn't only give me that tool, but he gave me another tool, the ability to think, the ability to understand, the ability to reason. He gave me another tool for the natural realm. What he said is, I want you to take that tool because when you begin to understand the world in which you find yourself, things are going to happen. Advancement, technology, business, industry, education, Why? Because I'm understanding this domain that he's given me. And as a result of understanding this, it's inviting me to take this world and to take what it's all about and to harness its potential and step into newness. The reason, I was talking to somebody last night and we were talking about the fact that my kids have no reference point for my upbringing. When I was raised, we never had cell phones. They'd be shocked. How did you stay in contact? I remember when CDs were introduced. We used to have records and tapes. We never had TV games. It was a grand occasion when Atari came out. What happened? Man, with his toolbox, 
utilized his toolbox and things start to happen in the natural world. The thing with it is when God gave us a toolbox, it came with a warning label. And we didn't always read it. And the warning label said, use it as a tool. Don't allow it to become your boss. Do not be conformed to the world. The problem with it is we've abdicated the throne to our tools. And we allow our tools to give definition to who we are. And every time I allow the tools to define who I am, I've just moved to a place where I'm allowing it to conform me. Because my tools only have access to the natural realm. So every time I'm offended and I act out of it, congratulations, you've just conformed. Because my emotions took on a feeling and they said to me, you are unhappy, do something about it. And I said, the feeling spoke, I'm jumping. Who was in control? The toolbox just became boss. It's a problem because the world in which we live in is encouraging people to live by how you feel. What do you feel like you'd like to be today? A boy or a girl? Or nothing? How do you feel? I'm not talking about people who've got gender confusion. This is not designed as a criticism. My intention behind all of this is to get people to a place where they understand and they recognize the fact that any time we use a tool to give definition to who we are, we're in trouble because we're going to end up conforming to the world. The warning label that came with the toolbox is do not conform. What he's saying is use it as a tool. Don't let the tool rule you. We have our intellect and we've done such great advancements in medicine and in science and in technology and across the board. Man has done incredible things. The challenge with it is for so many people, we've allowed our intellect to move from a tool to my boss. So what's ended up happening is I've conformed to my knowledge. And the limitations of my life are in accordance with, I believe in science. You can believe in science. Science is great. Science is wonderful. But when you try to take your application of your science understanding and you want to put it into the spirit realm, you're going to end up in trouble. God never gave you your intellect to run your life. It's a tool. Use it. The smarter you are, the better you are. It's not a criticism because you're an intellectual. It's not a criticism because you're an academic. It's not a critic, a criticism because you're somebody who's able to synthesize stuff and produce something, whether it be creative of science or medicine or business, whatever it may be. Those are wonderful things, but it's a tool. When your toolbox runs your life, we end up in trouble. Because my toolbox will only take me out of the spirit realm and it's going to put me into the natural realm. And the moment I'm in the natural realm, I'm in trouble. Because my definition and my sense of who I am is going to come from a realm outside of who he is. Mm. Don't let your tools rule you. The challenge with the tools ruling, ruling you is when your tools rule you, God's purpose for your life is compromised. 
Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Let us create man in our image, in our likeness. Let them have dominion. The minute your tools become your boss, the dominator has just become the dominated. He called you and designed you to rule in the natural realm. Not to be ruled by the natural realm. There's a big difference. The reason that we don't have a lot of power and influence is because the definition of who we are is being defined by the natural realm, not the spirit realm. And as a result, we live like the place in which we find ourselves. We don't bring anything to bear in that space that is of spirit, that brings about change, that brings about transformation. God's design was for you to live from something spiritual. Let us make man in our image. What is God? Spirit. Where does he live? Heavenly realms, spirit. Everything about him is spirit. What he's saying is, I'm going to give you my image. Spirit. And what I want for you to do is, when you get to the place where you begin to understand and interact with spirit, when you allow spirit to define who you are and how you feel and how you think, when you allow spirit to give definition to your self-concept, your self-image, a reflection of his image, what ends up happening is, I'm being defined by spirit. And when I'm defined by spirit, it introduces me to my purpose. Have dominion. When you walk into the natural realm, those who turn the world upside down have come amongst us. That's what happens when we move into that space. We begin to change, not because of me, but because I'm being defined by something which is spirit. Spirit is moving in me. It's going to change your life. And not only is it going to change your life, but you're going to look like a peculiar person because of it. Because you're recognizing the fact that in everything I do, there are two paradigms and two realities. The challenge with most of the world is you only see what you can see and what you can touch and what you can feel and what you can sniff. What you don't recognize is that there's another reality at play which is far superior to the natural reality called the spirit realm. And so when we live from both realms, it's not because I'm disconnected from reality. It's not because I'm looking at something and I'm sitting saying, it doesn't exist. It's because I'm looking at that in the natural realm, but I'm recognizing the fact that I've been a product of the spirit realm. And I'm living in a place where I recognize that natural can't change that, but spirit can. I live from a different place all of a sudden. Why? Because I'm viewing life from spiritual perspective. And I recognize that in that place, I'm called to call those things that be not as though they are. You can't see it. I can because I'm looking through spiritual eyes. I don't have the problem. You do. You one dimensional. I've got two dimensions to where I go. I'm two dimensions to everything that I interact with. What made Abraham so great? Come with me, Abraham. I'll make you a father of many nations. Totally infertile. Are we happy with a son? Not a father of many nations. Give me something. God doesn't walk in, work in small measures. 
God says, I'll make you a father of many nations. What made Abraham so powerful was the fact that, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. When God spoke to Abraham, you know what he was giving him? Spirit and life. What he was saying was, Abraham, I know what your reality looks like. I know how old Sarah's going to be. I know that you're absolutely useless when it comes to producing offspring. I don't care because that all has to do with the natural. I want you to understand there's a different reality at play here, Abraham. It's called the spirit realm. And if you'll grab hold of spirit and life and hold on to it, it'll change your life. What made Abraham so powerful was the fact that I know what it looks like. I don't care. You just can't see the reality that I'm living by. We're called to live as born again believers from a different reality. We're called to live from a different place. We're called to live from the greater one on the inside of us. We're called to live from a spirit realm, not a natural realm. I may be in the world But I'm not of it. The reason that I move into spaces is because I'm going into that place with the opportunity to sit and say, those who turn the world upside down have arrived. What do you see in your world? Are you one dimensional? Or do you view life from the spiritual perspective? Do you see it from God's paradigm? Yeah. On. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 14. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Do you know what he's saying? If you're a one-dimensional person, you're looking at the reality that faces you. And you're oblivious to the fact that there is a spirit realm that's at play. So you never place a demand on the spirit realm. You're looking at my natural abilities and my natural resources to change a natural problem. And when somebody comes into that space with a spiritual solution, it sounds foolish. Why does it sound foolish? Because you don't have the tools to do it. I always want to go back to my single paradigm. Every time the challenge that we have with God is this. The reason that we can't overlay our natural perspectives with God is because God's going to invite you to do some stuff that in the natural is going to look foolish. In fact, I can tell you everything he's going to invite you into is going to look foolish. Because he's not limited by the natural parameters. But as long as we sit and, and curtail God because we put, blind, we put parameters on him, we don't walk into what God has for us. God wants us to understand that it may appear foolish because in the natural realm, you don't understand how it's going to work. Abraham didn't care. What he's saying to you is, don't care. It's not because he's oblivious to what's going on in your life. What he's saying is it's not as important as the spiritual dimension. Get out of the natural realm and to begin to explore from a spirit point of view, what's happening here, Father? Talk to me, Holy Spirit, about what's going on because I want to bring influence in this place. What do you want to do? 
I'm moving out of one paradigm, out of one realm into another one. It becomes important because the way that we're going to work with God is that God's going to speak to us not from a natural point of view, a spiritual point of view. And if we're not comfortable in the spirit arena, we'll miss what he says. Jesus is standing there and he's got all of these Jews upset. And he says, if you think you're upset now, I'll tell you what. I'll just tear down this temple and I'll rebuild it again in three days. And everybody laughed and pointed at him. Why? Because they were of a single paradigm. They didn't even hear what he was saying. Well, how are you going to tear this down and read it? Do you know how long it took to build? And he's like, you missed it. You missed it. What he was saying was, when I die, something's going to happen. The temple curtain is going to tear. And when it does, the holy presence is moving out. And a temple without the holy presence is nothing but a building. But I'll tell you what, in three days time, I'm going to rise from the dead. And when I rise from the dead, I'm going to create a temple made, not, uh, not made of, of stone, but a temple made of flesh. And the, then the presence of God can come in and take residence inside of a temple. It happened in three days. They missed everything he said. Because they had a single paradigm. If we allow the natural paradigm to have too much influence in our life, we'll miss what God says. We live lives according to what we think we ought to do, not what God is doing. Because we're too, too naturally minded. I've been working really hard to be a good person. God owes me. I know a lot of people and they're not very good. And I think I'm better than them. So I'm going to heaven. And God sitting saying, the challenge that we have is this. You don't understand that there is another dimension. You're looking at your behavior. I'm interested in the root of your life. You want to talk about modifications to this, that, and the next thing. I'm trying to find Christ. What you do and the way that you behave and your attitudes and your actions are important to you. They're not as important to God as your root. For God, he goes to, where is Christ? You see, if you change the root, you'll change the fruit. We've forgotten about the root. We think that we're good people, so God owes us something. Why? Because we're stuck in a a different paradigm to where God is. God's like, I want to find Christ in you. What entitles you to things is Christ, not your good works. Nicodemus comes to Jesus and says, I I want what you've got. And Jesus says, okay, then you've got to get born again. He's living off a single dimension. Am I supposed to get back into my mother's womb and get born? A single dimension. He missed it. God is going to work in our lives. And God is going to speak to us. And God's intention is to introduce us to his plans and his purposes. But he's not going to speak from a natural perspective. He's looking for us to have spirit ears. So that we hear what he's saying and we interpret it from a spiritual point of view. Because when we hear God spiritually, we understand what he's inviting us into. And we know how to partner with God and do some stuff. The wisdom of man... Is the only thing that has overcome the church and brought it into captivity. The wisdom of man 
is the only thing that has overcome the church and brought it into captivity. And it's still captive. How much of the church today do you have a look at? And you know what? They've taken what was designed to be a spiritual kingdom and they're attempting very hard to make it a worldly kingdom. It's all about being a good person and participating in this and following these rituals and doing this stuff. The problem with it is there's no spirit and no life. You don't have the miraculous. You don't have the supernatural. Why? Because it doesn't conform to my understanding. The tools are in control again. In my relationship with God, all of a sudden, God doesn't do stuff like that. Because I can't understand it. God has never been limited by our understanding. We are limited by understanding, not him. The thing about it is, God wants to liberate who we are. God wants to move us to a place where we get off the the natural realm and into the spiritual dimension. Because possibilities exist in the spiritual dimension that do not exist in the natural realm. I understand why you're struggling in the natural realm because it doesn't look like it can happen. But if you can get out of the natural realm and into the spirit realm, you'll be amazed at what the view looks like. It'll change everything. Things don't make sense in God's economy. He's not here to be limited by our understanding. When Peter was sitting in the boat and Jesus said, come to me. Do you think that made any sense? It made no sense. And there's not any part of us that says, gee, I understand how that worked. It doesn't work. It doesn't work, period. Because I'm one dimensional. But if I can get out of that dimension and I can get in the spirit realm, I can see possibilities that don't exist any other way. The view changes. Jesus arrives the pool of Bethesda and when he walks in he has turned the world upside down he's come amongst us what happens in that space he walks in and he says would you like to walk today it doesn't happen in the natural healings don't happen in the natural people don't get healed of cancer people don't get healed of diseases those things don't happen in the natural not like that, not without medicine where it can help it's not designed to work that way in the natural it does in the spirit realm because there's a different paradigm to things God's sitting saying, I'm wanting for you to migrate away from where you are I'm wanting you to migrate into the space called spirit living Because spirit living will introduce you to who I am and what I'm all about. Oh, hold on. I've got to just... Sorry, I I didn't solve solve the the time. We need a reformation. We need a reformation. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do you know what he's saying? He's not just talking about your thinking. He's talking about the foundation of your life. What he's saying is, I'm wanting for who I am. I'm wanting for spirit and life to flood that place. And when it floods that place, it's going to redefine who you are. Kingdom is the answer to everything that you're looking for. 
Because kingdom is what takes spirit and life and introduces it to who you are as a person. Kingdom is all about God's spirit. Kingdom is all about spiritual definition, flooding my life and redefining who I am, moving into every area of my life and giving redefinition to it so that what ends up happening is it takes up and begins to define and give definition to who I am so it begins to look like something spiritual, not something natural. It has to be born of the spirit. Why? Because it's the spirit realm. It's got to come from him, not from me. Got to be born of the spirit. Born of the spirit. Kingdom is the doorway that allows the spirit realm access to my life. It allows for the redefinition of who I am and the reconstitution of who I am and is built up by something called spiritual material. I'm beginning to get redefined by the spirit of Christ on the inside of me. Years ago when Rome was in their element and in their peak, every time they used to invade a territory, what ended up happening is they would conquer. And when they would conquer, you know what they did? They flooded it with Roman citizens. You know why? It's not enough just to conquer that space. They wanted the space to look and feel like Rome. So what they did is they flooded it with Romans. With the language, with the culture, with the everything. And over time what ended up happening is that place became inculcated and became a reflection of Rome. If you went there as opposed to Rome, it looked exactly the same. Why? That's what God wants to do with your life. It's not just that God wants to move into a space and sit and say, okay, fine, I'm here. Kingdom is all about flooding your life and bringing redefinition to who you are. You are supposed to look like the king. That's what it's all about. It's about changing who you are fundamentally in your person so that he floods you with his being so that there's a redefinition and a reconstitution that takes place. And all of a sudden I'm being redefined by who he is. I've got to hurry along through some of this stuff because I didn't realize this. Sorry. It's the doorway to, to, to things. It's about looking and feeling that way. It becomes important because Emmanuel, God with us, becomes God in us. God with us becomes God in us. When the spirit of Christ starts to redefine who I am, all of a sudden I move into a place where the word takes on flesh. And when the word begins to take on flesh, what happens is flesh is becoming redefined by spirit. And when flesh is redefined by spirit, when I arrive, Jesus arrives. It's not about me, it's about him. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. What is he trying to do in our life? He's wanting for us to understand something. He operates at a dimension and at a realm which is elevated above ours. Everything that you see has its beginnings in that which is spiritual. And so as a result of that, it puts him at a place where he has influence over everything natural. What he's saying is, I I live in an elevated position. And what he's inviting us into is to participate in that elevated position. 
Why? Because Mark chapter 9 verse 23. All things are possible to him that? It's not just because you have belief. Because the thing about it is, I've got to the place where I recognize the significance and the importance of spirit giving definition to who I am. I recognize that who I am is going to be defined by what I believe. And so I'm putting my toolbox away and saying, I'm not going to be defined by my thoughts, by my emotions. I'm putting those tools away and I'll use them when I'm out in the natural realm. But I'm going back to God's design. I'm going back to redefinition of who I am. I'm getting back to that place where I allow his image, which is spirit to give definition to who I am and what I'm all about I'm moving to a place where I'm spiritually defined why when I'm spiritually defined all things are possible to that person whose definition whose substance whose self image whose foundation is built from the spirit Jesus is going, he goes back to Nazareth, to his hometown, and it says he could do nothing there. Why? Because of their unbelief. What was the problem? The problem was their belief system and who they were was defined by the natural realm. And God was coming in, Jesus, see me, you've seen the Father, and what he was trying to do is he was trying to introduce them to the Father's love for them and different expressions of it. Healing, whatever it might be. And they were sitting saying, but we don't get it. We're at odds with you. When we can get our belief system defined by who he is, when we move to a place where my self-image is defined by his image, all of a sudden the beliefs of my life are informed by him. And so every time I move into a place, what ends up happening is that I have a spirit dimension which takes preeminence and gives me focus as to what I'm looking at right at the moment. I see things with spirit eyes. I live in the anticipation of spirit having influence there. My life is defined by the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. I don't care that you can't see it. you just one-dimensional. I can. I'll have to carry on with this next week. Sorry, it's, it's already 10 past. It's, my encouragement to you is this. I want, let me leave you with two things. Number one, become aware of the fact that you're living in a dual paradigm. In all that you do, you wrestle not against flesh and blood. What is he saying? Get out of the natural. See what's happening behind there. He's wanting, us to, he's wanting to introduce us to the fact that as people who are born again believers, people where old things have passed away and all things are becoming brand new, that brand newness in its fullest expression is to be defined by him, the spirit of Christ. Spirit of Christ. It is spiritual, but it's defined by him. My encouragement to you is this, with this week is this. Begin to become very aware. Teach yourself. Father, Holy Spirit, help me. Show me in all the situations that I'm in that there, there are, there's, there's a dual reality at play here. Don't let me get lost with my toolbox and my reality in the natural. Stop me before I do that. 
elevate my thinking so that I become a spirit being and I connect with you, Holy Spirit. Open the eyes of my understanding so I see through spirit eyes. Opens the door of opportunity to your influence in that space. So I I was speaking to God about some stuff and the thing is what I don't like is that we and I'm talking about me I can listen to some stuff and I can go yes God I agree with that and I do but I don't do anything about it I want you to do something with what you've had today so you know what he said to me he said what project should we do together So your homework this week is to go and see what project you can do with him. Go and do a project with him. Engage the project from a spiritual point of view. And in that context, stay in relationship with him. I'll speak about it more next week because it's really important. We don't have the prerogative to run off and do whatever we want to do. You're going to end up in trouble. The author, the finisher, the beginning and the end, the alpha, the omega. Everything starts and ends there. Go and do something with him this week. Go and do something and have a fabulous time with it. Do something that challenges your normal. Do something that interrogates your natural. Can we all stand? If you need prayer afterwards and you need the influence of the spirit dimension in what you're doing, I invite you to come up afterwards and there'll be people who can pray with you. Father, I just thank you for a tremendous group of people. I thank you, Father, that they're all your favorites. They're a chosen bunch. I want to thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our lives. I thank you, Father, that you are in the process of creating a people. That everywhere we go, every circumstance we walk into, every relationship that we're engaged in, every situation that we have the opportunity and the privilege to be a part of, everything cries out. Those who turn the world upside down have come here also. Become a world changer. Start with your own. Father, I just want to thank you, Holy Spirit, that you lead us and you guide us. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will just begin to open up the eyes of our understanding to recognize the fact that although we are in the world, we are not of it. Make us overtly aware and sensitive to the spirit realm and the spiritual influence. I thank you for the privilege of living a dualistic existence and that in that space we can find you and in that space we'll touch your influence. We bless you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen.